This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and back with me this evening is Mr. Matt Caraccio. Matt, welcome back. Draft season is now kicked into the next stage with the combine a few weeks away and me and you starting our famous in our world tear buster series some of our favorite shows every single season yeah i mean i'm stoked just to say the least because i mean the amount of banter flying on social media about various wide receivers and quarterbacks and running backs and where they sit amongst their peers and historically i mean this is what we get up for right everybody listening to this podcast right now you probably have a real strong petulance to watching and listening and looking at draft and looking at players and watching college football. I mean, this is the time we all sit down and say, all right, let's sort through the tea leaves. Let's look through the film. Let's start getting a grip and a framework on really where these players are. And tier busters is where we really try to force ourselves, meaning you and I, Paul, to really kind of begin to settle into to what we would really consider our own draft boards. Because really, as we always say every year, Paul, this is exactly how you and I draft. I mean, I think I've been doing this to you now. This is our like fourth year now. And we've drafted pretty much along our kind of line, so to speak, every single year. I think I always knew who you were going to take in a draft. You could probably guess within two players who I was taking. It wasn't really anything we ever go off script about. So guys, I mean, for everybody listening out there, for good, bad, or otherwise, this is really beginning to see who we would really stick with at each of the positions. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, this is just another part of the of the long process here. We still got more data points. More film will become available. So we, we break them into their tiers. You know, inside of the tiers, you know, eventually we will rank, you know, a little bit more succinctly. Things could move things around. We got the combine coming up, which could maybe be used as a tiebreaker. Maybe it sends us back to the film. Maybe some more film becomes available. You know, so there'll be movement in our rankings pre-draft for sure. That's why we do the ranking show the week, you know, of the draft, our final rankings going into draft night. And we'll do mock drafts and all that, rookie mock drafts and all that stuff. And then obviously we know landing spot and, op- and opportunity, immediate, long-term, post-draft impacts our actual dynasty rookie rankings. So so tier busters is a way to start breaking them into tiers that fit our categories. We made these tiers up and we take into account part where we think they're going to go in the NFL draft, what we think their role is going to be at the next level, how quickly do they become that part of an NFL team. And then also we try to tie in a little bit of the fantasy component in terms of a rookie draft you know, projection as well. So it's got a lot of different parts to it. Part fantasy, part NFL draft projection, part trait space, part NFL role, all kind of blended together. What, what these shows aren't is guys, there's too many guys. We're not going through and giving you synopsis and breakdowns of, of, 25 or 30 players we've talked about these guys a lot we'll talk about them a lot more you know with great guests and and just us too as well over the next couple months our notebooks have all our details about these guys that we hope you greatly consider checking it out for 9.99 the scouting notebook will have 
tons and tons of information on every player that we're going to mention in these tier buster shows. We will, we put out snapshots and snippets of our thoughts throughout the draft season. We put out images showing our thoughts on, on, on guys. So, so, there's a lot of opportunity to really dig in into what we think of these players. Tier busters is not an opportunity, right? You're sharing your tiers. I'm sharing my tiers. We'll talk a little bit about certain players and maybe who can make a tier jump up, or I might question you on why you have somebody in this tier. I don't see it that way. You know, what, what is it that you see? You're talking smack right now about Brian Edwards. That's why <laughs> that's what you're trying to do. You're talking smack about Brian Edwards. I know what you're doing. I, I see you, I see you planting the seed. No, but Paul, I mean, I don't mean to jump in there, but I, I agree with you 100%. Don't take these as ranking shows. This is not rankings either. This is this is us putting them into general groups. And within those groups, there could be fluctuation. I can tell you right now, my second tier is a mess. There's a lot of movement within that second tier. My first tier, there could be movement in and out of it. So, Paul, I, I'm right there with you in getting beginning to take the temperature of the class and starting to have a feel for what we might be looking at. Absolutely. So let's get right into it. We always like to do this because we want to kind of set the stage for what each of the tiers is again. So we'll we'll do it like this, I think, this year. Tier one, we have it as potential first-round picks in the NFL draft, immediate starter at the next level in two wide receiver sets, and we classify it as a guy that we think is going to be in strong consideration to be a top eight dynasty rookie pick understanding full well that landing an opportunity, quarterback, offense, there's a lot of other moving parts in the fantasy aspect of it. So understand that there could be, you know, someone that's not a first round that goes in the top eight or vice versa. So first round pick, immediate starter at the next level, and probably a pretty high dynasty rookie pick is, is what we think of these tier one wide receivers. Now, now, Paul, before you get into that, see, I just want everybody to know there's a little bit of a Rorschach test also in that tiering that Paul just mentioned. Paul talked about being a bona fide first round pick. There are going to be guys that will mention that may not go in the first round. So uh, just to clarify, that's a moving needle based on that holistic view of what that tier represents. A guy who's an impact player at his position pretty much from day one. And that could be a guy in the first round. It could be a guy in the second round. But these are guys that we think are impact players for your fantasy team and really an NFL team. Is that fair, Paul? Yeah, 100%. So let me kick it off. I'm going to start with tier one. And listen, tier one. I think I might be a little light in tier one. And I think, I think as we circle back and, and talk about this, I could see myself adding a few more names to the tier one group. But what I have right now is Jerry Judy out of Alabama, CD Lamb out of Oklahoma, T Higgins out of Clemson, and LaVisca Chenault out of Colorado. The top three I feel most confident about. Slam dunk. They're my top three wide receivers in this class. I don't envision a scenario where that changes. LaVisca Chenault, I think very much could have been in my tier two or a bunch of guys in the, in my top of my tier two could have been in my tier one. And I think there'll be movement in that regards as we get a little bit closer to the NFL draft. But for now, I have Chenault included in that tier one grouping for me. I think he's a first round type talent. I'm just not 100% sold on the second part of our tier that says, immediate starter in two wide receiver sets. I'm not sure Chenault is that 
immediately because I think he's still got refinement to do and expanding his receiving abilities and receiving game and his route running that he might not be a starter immediately in two wide receiver sets. He might be a third receiver who is used in a variety of ways in year one. So he's the guy that's a little bit on the fence for me for my tier one. And that's why I think that if I have Chenault there, I maybe am leaving some guys out of tier one that should be there. But my top three, I feel good about them locked in as my tier one, as my three guys definitively are going to stay in tier one. I don't see any scenario that changes that. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I actually don't differ in three out of the players that you mentioned. I do have Jerry Judy in my tier one. I do have C.D. Lamb. And I do have T. Higgins. And T. Higgins was probably one of my biggest preseason uh, you know, kind of meteoric rises for me. And a lot of it had to do with my own learning and understanding of the wide receiver position. Um, but also my learning and understanding of the human movement system and that, and the whole development of the problem solver paradigm. This idea of, you know, being a great receiver really entails being able to solve a versatile or a number of amount of problems. And I think T. Higgins has definitely improved significantly in my eyes as I've continued to watch his film. Where we do differ, uh, is really, uh, in two players. And, and one of the players though that I'll first address because you already kind of did a great job and I don't really have much to add, but LaVisca Chenault does end up leading the beginning of my second tier. So he missed out on my first tier. And I'm right there with you, Paul. I think the biggest thing that I have about LaVisca Chenault, and it doesn't really come that surprisingly if you kind of go back to the preseason shows, is while I do think he's a very versatile athlete, right? If we think about the problems he can solve, he's got a huge physical capacity to solve an entire range of problems. And he really did, and he really was asked to do and solve a lot of problems in Colorado. The biggest thing about it, though, was I'm not sure how many of those problems will be NFL problems for him at the wide receiver position. I'm just not sure if he's going to be getting looks out of the backfield while running the Wildcat. I I just don't know if that's really going to be where he wins. Will he be used on screens? Yeah. Will he be used um, you know, on short intermediate routes where he gets the quick slant and he's able to take it and kind of work it through? Yeah, I think so. I mean, listen, I think he's a flanker or a slot at the next level. I definitely think he could be a starting wide receiver. But like you, I still think there's some room in terms of his change of direction speed, his route running, his route deception, his releases versus press. I mean, there are some real NFL problems embedded in the actual exposures that I just did not see. And my concerns are I can't just check the box off and say that's what's going to be solved at the next level. So I, I, I hold reservation that he will be drafted to be an impact player. Just not sure if it's immediately in year one. It may be toward the end of year one, more like year two is when he gets into the top two or three. The guys, though, that I did have in there that are slightly different than yours are Jalen Rieger from TCU, and I have Brian Edwards. And, you know, just to make a small case for those two gentlemen, Brian Edwards, first and foremost, I do not think that Brian Edwards is the most versatile wide receiver in this class. However, I do think in the positions that he'll be immediately proposed, which is playing in that flanker or outside wide receiver position, I do think Brian Edwards has a lot to offer. And I think we've talked about him often throughout this year as to why I like him so much. But 
Just in short, I mean, the biggest things that I see about him that I love, his balance, his flexibility, his explosive strength, he has that ability to accelerate pretty quickly. He's not like a, he's not somebody running through mud. He can stop short, accelerate quickly, great explosive strength. He's great on deep routes. He understands how to manipulate on deep routes. He can adjust his body very well in the air. He understands how to win at the catch point. He uses his body in a variety of ways to create good passing windows, and he has good um, overall acceleration in the open field. Things, I mean, things that he needs to learn. He needs to be a better route runner in terms of using that vertical stem to his advantage. He doesn't do a great job deceiving wide receivers. These are things that he's going to have to, or cornerbacks, excuse me. These are things he's going to have to pick up and develop. But I do think he's an immediate starting flanker at the next level. I think he'll be great in a vertical passing game. I love what he can offer a team. I think he's a great guy to take a look at. And Jalen Rieger is probably the one that um, maybe I'm a little bit higher on than most. I mean, I know that there are some out there that uh, would join me on that uh, that kind of tirade into why Jalen Rieger is so good. Um, but I think that the biggest thing that I love about him is I think he immediately slots in as a top four ride receiver when he gets drafted. And I think that in a West Coast or vertical passing scheme, I think he's an excellent play. He shows that play strength very similar to Tyler Lockett. And now I know he's not Tyler Lockett, but if you watch Tyler Lockett film out of Kansas State and you watch the way he played the football, he attacked the football at the catch point. So in other words, he had all that great movement skill, but he attacked the football in a violent way, reminiscent of a much bigger player. So quote unquote, he played bigger. What that what that really means is he played bigger. He was just so gosh darn skillful at really maximizing his overall agility and explosive strength to out-leverage and attack the actual trajectory of the ball and beat the cornerback in every single situation. He used his body. He used his route deception. He used his physical strength, and he maximized him on every play. I see that in Jalen Rieger all the time. And I think that that's where Jalen Rieger and Tyler Lockett, to me, are very similar players. And I think that Jalen Rieger, for me, is one of the more skillful wide receivers in this class. So those are my just two differences than you, Paul. And I know you'll probably come to them very shortly. But just to save you a little time and a little breath, but also to share with some of my thoughts, uh, those I rest my case on those two. I rest my case. I don't think they're the best players in the in the draft or the best wide receivers, but I do think that they're going to be the most skillful at the likely potential positions they'll be asked to play. And I do think that those guys are going to be guys that are immediate impact players for their respective teams. Yeah, listen, I think you said a lot of great things there. I One thing I did want to just pivot back to on Chenault when you were talking about him and maybe why you had some reservations, and I, and I talked about that as well. I honestly do think Chenault, his immediate impact could be very much related to the offense and the scheme that he gets asked to be put in. You know, you look at this year, and if you watch the Super Bowl, look how effective San Francisco was with Debo Samuel constantly being used on end arounds. I mean, he picked up like 50 yards or something in the Super Bowl that, you know, if Chenault ends up on an offense that utilizes that component of his game, combined with his receiving ability and allow him to still continue to refine and develop that route running. 
I think that's how Chenault could immediately get himself on the field, even in two wide receiver sets, because he could constantly be put in motion. You can use him on jet sweeps and end the rounds and shuttle pa- shuffle passes and, and touch passes, whatever you want to call them, and get him the ball in that regards. Very much that a 49ers used Debo Samuel at times. And Debo Samuel, I think, is a more refined route runner for sure than LaVisca Chenault. But I do think the situation could matter a lot for Chenault and the immediate impact he has. And I'd like to believe that we're we're more in a in a time now in the NFL that people are trying to maximize the strengths of players. That if someone takes Chenault in round one or early in round two in the NFL draft, I hope they put him in situations right out of the gate to be successful. Uh, as far as the other two guys, yeah, both of those guys are in my tier two. So. Jalen Rieger's at the top of my tier too. So I, I love everything you said about him. The Tyler Lockett comp, I think he's really good. I've, I've used the Brandon Cooks comp a lot, who I yeah. do think yeah. he can go up and get the ball. I do think he's, he plays with toughness and, and good play strength for a smaller guy. He's got the big playability, the explosiveness. I think TCU kind of had a little bit of a down year. Rager didn't have the same year that he had last year. So I don't think, I think he's gotten a little bit lost in the shuffle. But I think we're talking about a guy who's going to be a top 40 or top 50 pick. You know, whether he sinks into round one, who knows? It's, it's a really deep class at a variety of positions. Uh, but both him and Brian Edwards, I agree with you. I think Brian Edwards could be a starting flanker at the next level. Uh, he's a little bit, you know, more towards the middle of my tier two. But I have a massive tier two. So I already mentioned that. Well, and again, and again, I think tier two is flexible. I, I don't think that these are, again, and I, and I put it out there, these are more like groupings. And there could be a lot of movement within those groupings. So I, I think being in the middle is pro- he's he's primed to pounce, Paul. He's going to pounce right up your standings right there. So don't, don't worry about it. He's going to be fine. Absolutely. And just so people understand what, what we consider a tier two prospect, we consider it a day two pick. So round two, round three, uh, we consider it in terms of a, a complimentary wide receiver that should get immediate snaps in three wide receiver sets, which we know the percentage of teams in three wide is basically a starter type position. So, you know, that's not a knock on anyone when we're saying they should be a complimentary wide receiver and get snaps in three wide receiver sets and should be a starter during their rookie season, uh, uh, should be a starter during the rookie season or by year two. So we think it might take a little bit more time to develop, but they could develop into a starter even in two you know, wide receiver sets by the end of their rookie year or by year two. In terms of the fantasy spin, we think we're talking about a round one to mid-round two dynasty rookie pick. So maybe not in that top six or top eight that we talked about for tier one, but we think if, if the landing spot and everything kind of is okay, we think they could be a, a round one pick or somewhere in the, the beginning to the middle part of round two. So... If I go into my tier, we already said John Rager near the top of my tier, Brian Edwards in the middle of my tier. This is a this is one of the biggest tiers I've ever had, and that's crazy considering it, it, the level of, of 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 quality players there are. But I I just I almost could have more in this tier, but I kind of cut myself off in this tier with Jalen Rager and Brian Edwards is Henry Ruggs third out of Alabama, KJ Hamler out of Penn State, Justin Jefferson out of LSU, Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State. Michael Pittman Jr. out of USC, Donovan Peoples-Jones out of Michigan, Devin DuVernay out of Texas, KJ Hill out of Ohio State, Denzel Mims out of Baylor, Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame, and Colin Johnson out of Texas. I think when you look at this group here, it's almost grouped in to separate groups. If it, And let me explain myself. I feel like Jalen Rager, Henry Ruggs, KJ Hamler, Brandon Ayuk, Devin DuVernay, 
and KJ Hill could almost be looked at as as one style. They they're different in their own rights, right? Henry Ruggs and KJ Hamler have that that rare speed. But they're but all of those guys I just mentioned, they're all on the smaller side. They all are guys that great athleticism, great movement skills, separation quickness. Some could take it off, some could get vertical better in terms of like Ruggs and Hamler and some of the other guys, but you know, you've mentioned DJ Moore as a Devin Duvernay comp. Someone might see the body type and think Debo Samuel, who I mentioned before. KJ Hill, all about that separation quickness. Uh, Brandon Ayuk and a lot of round one buzz. You know, big time return guy. Use, you know, get him the ball in space. Can get vertical inside player. Can play on, can get vertical from inside at the slot. Can play on the outside. All of those guys that I just mentioned are all stylistically you can see an NFL team pushing them inside into the slot, asking them to play a little bit on the outside, but they all have different levels of ability from that inside slot. You know, the rare speed, the after the catch ability, the play strike, they're all a little different. The ones I'm most excited about are Jalen Rager, Henry Ruggs, KJ Hamler, and Brandon Ayuk from that grouping. I think those guys are more, late round one to early to mid round two NFL picks where guys like Duvernay and KJ Hill. I think those guys are more at the back end of my tier two more is like mid uh, to late round three picks, but I, I could see how they're used similarly in, in the NFL's eyes. And then the other groups of those guys there, you have the big bodied guys, right? Mm-hmm. You have Michael Pittman jr. You have Denzel Mims. You have chase Claypool. You have Colin Johnson. I'm intrigued by the movement skills and the athleticism from all of those guys. I think Michael Pittman at like 6'4", 220 is going to run like a 4'4", or something. That's ridiculous. Chase Claypool, I think, is going to run a better time than, than people think at 229. And you see that movement skills on the field. Colin Johnson, we were talking about him recently off air about – I'm, I think I might have undersold his movement skills and his ability to get in and out of breaks. And this year he had a little bit of a down year due to injuries, but I'm really intrigued by him. Denzel Mims, obviously at the senior bowl was one of the stars of the senior bowl. He's elevated himself up into this tier. Uh, you know, then you got guys who are a little bit unproven. Like Don Peoples Jones isn't as physically of a built as those other guys I just talked about, but he's got size. He's got catch radius, length, athleticism, massive recruit that never maybe lived up to it. But part of that was the Michigan passing offense. So I think I think Diamond Peoples-Jones' is, is ceiling is really high and is not getting talked about enough. And then Justin Jefferson. You know, I, I, before we did the senior bowl, you know, we talked, I mean, before the Shrine game, we talked about the national championship a little bit and talked about some film notes and this like that. I keep coming back on Justin Jefferson. To me, reminds me of Chris Godwin coming out of Penn State. A little bit different body type, but in terms of inside-outside player, I don't think he's got an elite calling card, but I think he's good to very good at a lot of different things. And he's a pl- to me, he could be a plug-and-play uh, receiver in three wide receiver sets and be very effective. I know Daniel Jeremiah's last mock, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah, had him going to the Saints at the end of round one. You put him on oh, the Saints in yeah, that offense, player. it would be – him and him and Michael Thomas, I still think they'd be lacking that true over the top vertical threat. But but the, but that's not really Drew Brees. If Drew Brees is still going to be there for another year or two, you know. So 
Jefferson's a guy who I think could could really step in and immediately be a, a factor at the next level because I do think he's pretty sound at, at a lot of different things, even though he doesn't have that elite calling card like a Henry Rugg speed or a KJ Hamler speed, something like that. He he offers a lot to me. So I love this tier. I think a lot of the, I think a handful of these guys, anywhere from two to three to maybe even five, could be in my tier one if I stretch my tier one a little bit. Uh, but right now they they make up this massive tier two uh, from early second round, maybe even sneak into round one to guys who I can see going at the back end of round three. But I think they're all guys that are going to play pretty quickly in three wide receiver sets, and I think a whole lot of them are going to develop into full time starters even in two wide receiver sets. Yeah, I, I mean, I really can't add much to what you just said. I mean, the only player that I have really different from you in Tier 2 is I do have Tyler Johnson in Tier 2 for me. Um, I do think that he is a guy that will find a home and find a role for a team just because of that savvy, that understanding, that sensitivity, that attunement to the sen- to various types of information on the field. I think he's a really solid, good route runner. I think he knows how to manipulate coverages. I do think Tyler Johnson is belongs in there. But I mean this when I say this to every reader out there, whoever's reading um, these tiers, please understand my tiers are far from the final rankings. What I tried to do was really just group them. And I, and I say that because there's so much, Paul, that I'm infatuated with in this tier. And you went through it really, really eloquently. So I don't want to diminish anything you said by coloring it with the same wording. But you talked about it. You talk about guys like Michael Pittman. How could you not be excited for that player if he's on your team? Michael Pittman could easily, easily run the same type of world as a Mike Evans at some point. He could be that type of guy. And you look at guys like Colin Johnson. Colin Johnson may not have the same ceiling as T. Higgins, but man alive, man, he's a really, really good wide receiver right now in terms of what he can do. So it's really my 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 um tears are really a reflection of am I going to be looking towards developmental aspects of this rankings this year or am I going to be staying true to just the skill right now so in other words who's the most versatile wide receiver right now who do I think's aptitude as a receiver is there right now and I'm going to tell you the guys that have me most excited are many of the ones that you just mentioned Paul I mean right now very excited very excited to see where KJ Hamler ends up I think KJ Hamler is phenomenal And I know he lived in the slot and he lived in space, but I also saw him eat space alive. He didn't just live there. He owned space. He knew how to take it, manipulate it, change it. He knew how to be deceptive in his routes. He knew how to go and get the football. Yes, there are times where he's still learning to attack and high point the football, but he understood how to create separation at will. If you said to me, Outside of Jerry Judy, who can create separation at will? He's in that list. He's within two or three receivers of that list. Maybe I'll give Jalen Rieger that guy. Maybe I'll say Jalen Rieger can create separation at will. Maybe as good as Jerry Judy. But I also, I I would say KJ Hamler's right there. So, I mean, he's on that short list of guys who I think know how to manipulate and use space to its fullest. There's not many like him. In this class also, I got to tell you, I'm very, very, very excited about a guy like K.J. Hill and Devin Duvernay. 
I think the NFL is now ready for those guys. And I think depending upon where they go, I think they could easily step in and be productive. But if I had to tell you guys out of everything that Paul just said and I just said, if you want me to star a player for you in the second round that I might take, as long as they're drafted in the first three to four rounds, meaning that they're drafted with some amount of capital. If I got to tell you a guy to to star, hold on to, and go draft at all costs, I'm going to tell you I'm going to take Michael Pittman. That's the guy I would lean on. If you said to me, forget everything, he's drafted in rounds one through four, if they're all drafted in that list, one through four, and I'm not getting LaVisca Chenault because maybe he's already taken, outside of that, who would I go after? I would probably go and take the highest upside player in that whole tier, which to me is Michael Pittman. And it's so great to see Michael Pittman break out this year too, because it's like he needed it. He needed it. It's been a slow, steady breakout over his college career. I mean, our former co-host here, Bill Ladin, he loved him years ago, and it, it just looked for a while like it just wasn't, wasn't going to materialize. And then you see these late breakouts, and and it's just awesome. I mean, it really is awesome. And I, I don't. I wish I would remember who said it. Maybe it was DJ and Bucky. They said you you watch Michael Pittman play and and you see some you know you see some you know Mike Williams in his game and Mike Williams was a top ten pick a couple years ago out of Clemson like you know what I mean like so so we're talking about Michael Pittman Jr. maybe being a second round pick third round pick could he even fall to the beginning of day three I doubt it at this point but like. He, but he could be, comp- but he could be comp to a guy who was recently a top ten pick, and I don't think it's crazy. I think Michael Pittman's movement skills is even better than a guy like Mike better Williams. Than Mike Williams. Yeah. Better than Williams. So I mean, so there's a lot to get excited, and I feel like because Pittman didn't break out earlier, and because it it was a slow stretch of time for him to break out. I don't feel like he's getting the attention that he should be getting in this draft class. And I get it. It's a really talented wide receiver class. I kind of, I kind of think, and I hope he's okay injury wise because he he couldn't play the rest of the senior bowl after yeah, the first I practice. I hope he's a full go at the combine because I think he can go there and he can really surprise people at his size and weight. And I hope he's I hope he's deemed a combine winner because he deserves to be get more attention. He deserves to have more people talking about him. Maybe maybe it doesn't matter. I think the NFL knows what he is. So I think the NFL already has him locked in probably as a round two guy. But yeah. I, I but I think he deserves to get more discussion from the Twitter community, the draft Twitter community, the fantasy community, because I don't, I think people are, 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 are not giving him when, the love that, that he deserves and similar. Listen, I like Brian Edwards. I have Brian Edwards and Michael Pittman basically back to back in my rankings, right. You know, and back to back in, in my tier two in here, but like Brian Edwards seems to be getting a lot of, attention because he's been on our radars and on the Debbie Twitter and the draft Twitter community's radar for so long that Michael Pittman hasn't been because he, it was a slow grind to well, finally get there. Well, and you know what deserves to be talked about? Well, you know what though, with Michael Pittman, I mean, a lot of it I think was health. And, and because of that, I think people shied away. Like if you're injury prone, right? We're all, we're all so, so um, we're all so, 
easily kind of swayed by that injury prone moniker. And I think that Michael Pittman was, was injured quite often. And as a result, he was very rarely did he put a full season together and then forget the carousel that was the USC quarterback position over the last year. Um, he still kind of produced despite that or in spite of that. I will throw this out there. Go and watch Michael Pittman run any type of high-speed change of direction route. And I would challenge you to not come away looking at the route and saying, wow, that's pretty impressive movement relative to the defensive back during that down and distance. That's pretty impressive movement for a guy who's 6'4". 6'4", 220. I mean, we're not talking like 6'4", 105. You know, what is his weight? What is he, like 210? Who, who, Michael Pittman, what is he, 220? 220. Yeah, he is, right? Okay. That's, I, I challenge you to go look at a high speed change director out. Any route where he has to literally show that eccentric strength, where he has to plant the foot, redirect and charge or reaccelerate and charge in a direction. Watch him do that. Watch him do that relative to the actual defensive back. And you tell me that there's a guy who can move that well at his size. Colin Johnson moved pretty well. I'm not going to say he doesn't. Michael Pittman moves better than Colin Johnson. He moves better than Mike Williams. I think he moves better than Brian Edwards at times. And I love Brian Edwards. But I'm just saying, I think Michael Pittman is a player to get excited about. I think he's a player that you need to watch more of. I think you come away pretty impressed. But I agree with you, Paul. He's fallen off the radar. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's take this to tier three. We'll go a little bit quicker in, in, in these bottom tiers here. Talk about a couple of guys that we're excited about, guys that maybe could jump up uh, and, and surprise. So tier three, we have it as they could sneak in to the back end of the top 100. So late round three or a day, early day three selection. So probably a round four type pick. We think these players possess at least one starter level trait, but have lacked consistency at times and execution in certain areas of their game. Keyword for this tier is potential, which means some development is needed. We think they have a chance to develop into a top wide receiver, a top three wide receiver in an offense in the future. And in terms of the fantasy spin, we think we're talking about mid round two to mid round three dynasty rookie picks, obviously landing spot and immediate opportunity would really uh, impact that, you know, draft, projection there in terms of the, the fantasy world. So my uh, third tier is is, a, is smaller, obviously, than my tier two. Uh, it's Tyler Johnson, who you've already talked about. I think the one big thing about Tyler Johnson is, is and we talked about this off air, is he's very savvy. He's very technically sound. He's a good route runner. Can he have, is his separation quickness good enough to win against better athletes at the next level. That is the thing about Tyler Johnson that we need to have answered. Uh, also in this tier for me is Jaywan Jennings out of Tennessee, Gabriel Davis out of UCF, Quintez Cephas out of Wisconsin, Courtney Davis out of Texas A&M, Van Jefferson out of Florida, James Proche out of SMU, and Lynn Bowden out of Kentucky. This group, to me, again, that potential word, there's potential in this group for starting slot wide receivers and starting flanker wide receivers. That's what I see. I don't see any guy in this group developing into an outside number one X type wide receiver. I just don't see it. I But I do see a lot of guys in this group that could emerge into starters either from the inside slot or on the outside flanker position in more of the possession style wide receiver. I think guys that could be starting slot wide receivers, if you're grouping them, 
Tyler Johnson, uh, Courtney Davis, James Prochet, Van Jefferson, and and Lynn Bowden. I think that some of those guys all have a little bit different skill sets. I think Lynn Bowden is a guy who can be used in a variety of different ways. I mean, for God's sakes, he rushed for like 1,400 yards this year when he was asked to play quarterback and run the Wildcat. But he's a guy that his athleticism, his movement skills, but I think he's a guy that's still got to refine his receiving abilities. I think he'd be more of a slot type player, but a guy you can use in a variety of different ways as an offensive weapon. I think Van Jefferson is the most technically sound in this group and, and, and him and him and Tyler Johnson for me are the most technically sound in this group and the best route runners in this group that I think could immediately become uh, starting slot wide receivers sooner rather than later. I think Courtney Davis is very similar to Devin Duvernay and KJ Hill, who we talked about before. I have a material below, but I think he stylistically, he can be very similar. He's got another body type, very much like a Debo Samuel, almost looks like a running back. Jaywan Jennings is, is a unique case because he, I think could be a big slot wide receiver at the next level, almost like an Anquan Bolden or how we think Juju Smith was best utilized early in his career and what we thought he was going to be best at when he came out of college, that inside slot guy. Gabriel Davis, I think he's an outside possession wide receiver with some capabilities to get vertical. Quintez Cephas, I think you're talking, could be a big slot, but I think more of an outside possession wide receiver. His body control, his ability to adjust, I was really impressed with when I watched Quintez Cephas. Obviously him and J1 Jennings, some some issues in the past that I think could impact their overall draft stock. And they're going to have to answer for those. Uh, but it, an interesting group, nonetheless, of guys who I think could emerge to either be starting flankers or starting slot wide receivers in the future. Yeah, I mean, my, my list is a little bit different, but it's not that dramatically different. There's some overlap. I mean, I have Chase Claypool in this particular uh, area for me. I have uh, Jaywan Jennings and Van Jefferson and Courtney Davis, Antonio Gandy-Golden and Benjamin Victor. So I have some different guys, but overall, I think the flavor and the feel is, is that there's potential here. There's guys in this particular group that I think could be an immediate slot receiver or could work their way into that role. There's potential there. Courtney Davis in his route running, Van Jefferson in his overall catch radius and ability to route run from the slot. Then there's guys that I can, that I think can play inside and outside. I do think that like to your point, I do see Juju Smith-Schuster and Jaywan Jennings, but I also think he can play outside as well. So I do think that there's an opportunity potentially there. I think Chase Claypool is a guy that's very interesting. I think you could see him emerge as a big slot as well in that respect. Antonio Gandy Golden is that guy that, you know, from Liberty that I think we're all, you know, uh, there's a lot of potential in terms of what he can potentially do. Um, but that potential needs to be met with opportunity and we have to see if that's going to happen for him. So yeah, with Benjamin Victor, I think that you're looking at a player who is, who could potentially be inside or outside. But I think when you look at him as an overall player, I see him very similarly as I do Van Jefferson. So that my tier is slightly different than yours, Paul. I mean, looking at guys like, you know, James Prochet and Lynn Bowden, um, and even guys like Juwan Johnson, guys that I'm really interested in and I'm high on. Um, I, I think these guys are still relatively new to me as I still kind of begin to dig into them. You know, I just don't know where they're going to go. And again, everybody can't get drafted and I just don't know what's going to happen in that respect. So just to put a fine point on it, all 38 of these wide receivers can't possibly be drafted. So some of these guys are going to have to work up some death charts and, and who's going to be, you know, equipped to do that. I don't know. I mean, it's going to be really interesting moving forward, but this is where things differ slightly, and I think it's a good differential because I think it gives this back end of this class a lot of depth, but also um, a lot of variety as well. 
Yeah, and it's really going to be what NFL teams are looking for. I think there's so much uniqueness in this class. And, you know, if you're looking for a slot guy, you know, you're probably going to be looking at a, you know, Van Jefferson or James Prochet. If you're looking for more of a big-bodied guy, maybe in the middle rounds, you take a chance on, you know, a Gandy Golden or somebody like that. You know, so I, I really think it's going to become individually for, for each team in terms of what they're looking for. And I think in terms of evaluators, evaluators all look for different things. And I think that is seen as you get further and further down the rankings after the top-tier guys. So let's take this to Tier 4. Tier 4 are guys that we consider round 5 or round six players. We think, you know, they're role players or specialists. Players provide depth for a franchise. Maybe down the line they get a chance at significant snaps should a starter falter. Could play in four wide sets consistently. We think they're round three or round four dynasty rookie picks, uh, you know, and, and somewhere along that, you know, area based on opportunity. For me, my tier four is made up of Antonio Gandy-Golden, who you just talked about, I'm intrigued by him. But coming from Liberty, I didn't see a lot of separation. And if he's not creating a lot of separation, you know, playing for Liberty, how much separation is he going to do at the NFL level? And I understand that's not his game. He's a, he's a win at the catch point, great length, great blocker. I, he's intriguing. He's a red zone specialist, I think. You know, and that's what this area, this grouping has. I think he's a guy who's going to go on round five or round six. I know there's a lot of people who are much higher on him than I am. I have my reservations as much as I'm intrigued by some aspects of his game. I'm concerned about his ability to get open at the next level. I'm concerned about his ability to get off press and the step up in competition, I think could really take him some time to really, you know, show the skill set that I think some people think that he has and could immediately translate. I think it's going to be a longer period of time there. I'm not sure he ever does develop into a starter at the next level. Uh, also in my tier four, Isaiah Hodgins. I just watched him out of Oregon State. He's a really intriguing player. I just added him to the scouting notebook this week. Six four. He, he moves well. Uh, his body control, his ball skills, his ability to adjust, really impressive. I like his the, I like his movement skill better than a guy like Gandy Golden. And he's not getting nearly the attention. To me, he's more fluid in his route running. Uh, I mean, I don't think he's a great route runner, but I think he I think he's a better route runner. I think he's more fluid in his movement. Uh, I've seen him, you know, show more against better level of competition. So he's a guy that intrigues me. I think he's got upside. John Hightower out of Boise State, he's a, bur- a burner. He could be a specialist, you know, think Taylor Gabriel, think, you know, uh, 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 Marquise Goodwin, uh, you know, guys like that that are speedsters that could really stretch a defense. I think John Hightower can do that. Kalijah Lipscomb out of Vanderbilt, who had a really down year this year, but I really liked his film last summer. I don't know if he can get back to that, but there's aspects of his game, his play strength, his physicality, his toughness, and his rat running that are intriguing to me. Jawan Johnson of Oregon, we've talked about him a lot over the years. A uh, bigger bodied guy, you know, nothing really stood out at the senior bowl. I know there was some talk about maybe a, a position switch to tight end. I think he's a receiver. Uh, I think there's aspects that he can be a flanker or maybe even some big slot. Uh, and then rounding out my tiers, Tyree Cleveland out of Florida. He's all about upside too. a guy who's going to test really well. If he's at the combine, a guy who can stretch defenses vertically, uh, can make people miss in the open field, can be a good returner, but he's just never put it all together. So his production and, and what we've seen out of him leaves a lot to be desired, but I think there's a lot of upside there. 
Yeah, and, and you know what? I don't really you know differ too much. I mean, I have Juwan Johnson, uh, James Proch. Crochet, I have Lynn Bowden. Um, all those guys, I think, are, are pretty interesting players. I think you talked really well about them eloquently. Those are guys that could be easily risers for me. Tyree Cleveland. And then I have another one that I, I really do like. And this is a player that goes back to uh, not not even more than a year ago. Um, Marquez Callaway at Tennessee. I really like Marquez Callaway. And I think that that doesn't mean he's going to get drafted with the draft capital needed to, to jump into a depth chart immediately. But he's the type of player that I think could kind of emerge. I, listen, I know I've said this a thousand times on this show, and I know that, you know, Paul is probably sick of listening to this, but I do believe this a hundred percent. The type of NFL offensive game that we're playing now really requires synergy and fluidity and understanding between wide receivers and quarterback. And you need to make sure that chemistry, that quote unquote chemistry is being developed at a premium. So that way, when you watch teams go in that two-minute offense and you watch teams play up-tempo, what's more important than the speed, what's more important than the physicality is the ability for the wide receiver and the quarterback to be on the same page. If you want to play fast, then you need people that are together think that fast. And I'm going to tell you right now, coaches will not care if you were drafted in the second, third, or fourth round, they're not going to care that much if that means that wins will translate to the guy who's drafted in the sixth round. So be aware of guys that are like, you know, the Marquez Callaways of the world and the Lynn Bowdens of the world and the Tyree Clevelands. Those guys that have a spark or a petulance for a particular trait or characteristic that will allow them to potentially seize the moment those guys could quickly find their way into an offense. I, I mean, look at, you know, look at San Francisco and look at Bourne. I mean, as a wide receiver, I mean, he came out of nowhere, came out of nowhere. And he all of a sudden has the trust of Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and here we are throwing footballs in the Super Bowl to him. I mean, so, I mean, it, it, I'm telling you, it's what will trump draft capital is going to be the speed of play. And the tot and the wide receivers and the quarterback that are the fastest together will play the most. And I and I think that means that this position, above any other position, you could see the greatest transient movement throughout all of fantasy football. Period. Yeah, I, I think I think you're I think you're spot on with that and in terms of how things are changing and you know the the people who are gonna make an impact. And you know, it, it, this class is just is it, so wild. Like I don't remember ever having I think I just counted it up. I have thirty two wide receivers in my top four tiers. That's never happened. I have thirty two guys that I think should go before the end of round six. Like that is a staggering number. There's probably not even going to be 30 wide receivers drafted. So just think about it. there's names that we have said that probably don't even get drafted in Absolutely. the NFL draft. Absolutely. Like that that's a crazy amount. You know, and, and then, you know, as we finish this off here with tier five, what our tier five consists of are late round or UDFA selections. We think they're Late round or watch list guys in dynasty rookie drafts. We think they're developmental picks. Maybe they spend some time on a practice squad, maybe multiple years on a practice squad. 
or these are guys that we have limited exposures to make a true determination and maybe we're still getting to them or maybe hopefully more film becomes available. I know I put some guys here from the Shrine game that I've, I've watched a little film on them but there's, I haven't, I haven't been able to get access to a lot of film, but I know in the little bit of snippets I saw from uh, shrine game practices and then the game and then some videos out there that I'm intrigued by these guys, but I still think, you know, maybe I've, I don't have enough to write a full profile in the scouting notebook on these, on some of these guys. And some of these guys, honestly, are going to be practice squad guys, but some of these guys are going to get drafted. And what that means is, is that there's even more guys that we've already talked about who might go undrafted. Because even if we think there's going to be 30 to 35 wide receivers taken last year was one of the lowest amount ever past years we usually have anywhere between 30 and 35 and maybe that's what we get back to this year so maybe most of the guys we did talk about you know do get drafted but there's going to be some that don't because they're going to be replaced by guys that we don't expect small school guys d2 guys that maybe we're, we don't even have on our radar right now and then some of these guys in, in our tier five so it's going to be wild to see what guys don't get you know, drafted and our high priority free agents. So it, it's going to be fun. You know this, yeah, go. Paul, you know what? In lieu of doing tier five, just to change the script a little bit, because I think people can, can kind of pick up on where we may have left off. These are any guys that we haven't mentioned specifically. Um, I, I'm just curious. Before we start the tier five or go into it in any depth, my question to you is looking at your tiers in general, who are the biggest movers in your opinion? We're sitting here. We're doing our final rankings. If you had to hitch your wagon to one pony that's going to take you all the way across the finish line as a guy that will change your dynasty team, your Devi team, your fantasy team, or your reality football team for the better, who's going to be that guy that you think is going to surprise the most people? I mean, give me three. I mean, it, it, I'll go to. I'll start at tier two. Give, give me, give me, give me a snorkel guy, a guy at the surface that most people have heard of. Probably is going to surprise more and move his way up. Give me a guy at the snorkel level. I, I would, I would say, I would say that one of the burners in my tier two. I think it has the the trajectory to to catapult himself, and it's hard for me to pick one. But I think either Rugs or KJ Hamler. I think are are going to be a guy that could be a game wrecker at the next level. Yep. And that's a guy who, listen, they're going to go high. So he, the, either one of those guys is a guy who I think could catapult into tier one for me and could be a guy that I'm trying to get on my, my fantasy rosters. Cause I think they could be a game wrecker at the next level, mm-hmm. uh, in a Tyreek Hill type capacity, mm-hmm. if they land in the right situation with the right team. Okay, my my snorkel guy was actually KJ Hamler, so we're right there. I, I think KJ Hamler is my snorkel guy. So let's go scuba. Let's get a little bit deeper. Okay, if we had to go deeper into the end of your second tier, into your third tier, give me a scuba level guy, a guy that you think could kind of mount a tremendous kind of uphill climb into everybody's consciousness going into their own kind of league drafts and league summer drafts. I'm I'm gonna say. I'm going to say two guys in my tier three I think could could fit this. I think Jawan Jennings out of Tennessee is underrated. I think think we saw 
what AJ Brown was able to do this year. And I'm not saying Jaywan Jennings is as talented as AJ Brown, but I think stylistically he can do a lot of the same things. I think his play strength and his toughness and his physicality could really be a, a factor at the next level. And he can play that big slot position. And his he he's not a guy who's gonna pick up huge jack with his agility. But I think his his athleticism combined with his toughness, physicality, and play strength, he can be a factor. And then Lynn Bowden. I'm excited for Lynn Bowden. I just watched a lot of Lynn Bowden in the last week. I think he's a guy who can be a guy that if he lands with the right team, he's going to be a versatile chess piece that could put up fantasy stats in a variety of ways. Yeah, I mean, looking at this, my snorkel guy was KJ Hamler, my scuba guy. It was actually right in there. I was going to stay more probably at the end of my tier two, but they're not really, there's no real kind of definitive order. But I think my, my real scuba guy is probably going to be Michael Pittman. I would, I would still go with him. And now maybe that's probably snorkel for some people. It's a little surface level. That's fine. My backup guy, um, was going to be Chase Claypool or Jawan Jennings. So those were my two backup guys. All right, Paul, let's go scuba. Let's go deep diving. This is the home run, the swing for the fences. Who's somebody that you're going to take a flyer on at the end of your bench and say, in a deep league, Dynasty, Devi, or even if I had an extra roster spot on my reality football team, who might just stash away? If we're going deep, I'm going to go to the guy who I just talked about at the end of my tier four, the end of my tier four, and that is going to be Tyree Cleveland out of Florida. I, I think there is still potential that we have never seen come to the surface with any type of consistency. And whether that has anything, whether that's exclusively to do with the Florida offense and the quarterback situation, partly to do with that, I'm sure blame is to go around in a variety of ways. But I see a guy who can get vertical, who's got, he's not a small guy like those, some of those other burners that we no. were talking about. I mean, we're talking about a guy who I think is like 6'2, 205, 210. So he's got some size. He's got speed. He can get vertical. He's a great returner. We saw that early in his collegiate career. And there's been a lot of studies done that really good returners at the college level often translate to the NFL in terms of being successful players. So I think Tyree Cleveland as a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick, he'd be my guy that I'd be very intrigued by because I don't know if we've ever really seen the best of him. And I think there might be something in there that can come out and maybe a lot later than we thought. Yeah. You know what? You you actually hit my, the nail on the head. It was two players for me. It was Juwan Johnson from Oregon, who I think whether you leave him as a wide receiver or you transfer him to a move tight end, whatever you want to say, I think he could be an impact player. And Tyree Cleveland was going to be my scuba guy, my, my, my deep submarine, excuse me, guy. So those were my guys. Paul, any tier five guys that you just wanted to mention on the way out? Yeah. I mean, I listen, my tier five guys and are mostly – Guys that senior bowl, shrine game, things that, you know, some guys that have uh, been brought to my attention. I watched film on a lot of these guys. The two Ohio State guys, Austin Mack and Benjamin Victor, kind of start out my tier five. I think they both can be late round guys that are intriguing. Uh, Both Austin Mack and Victor, pretty good athleticism, you know, pretty good at the catch point. Uh, Guys that if they were playing anywhere else but Ohio State, 
that was so loaded. I think they could have been more effective at the collegiate game that maybe they'd be getting a little bit more attention. Lawrence Cager is intriguing, uh, obviously formerly of Miami, transferred to Georgia, the size component, the ball skills, the red zone weapon. Marquez Calloway, you talked about him before at Tennessee. Jonathan Johnson out of Missouri. Aaron Parker out of Rhode Island. Joe Reed out of Virginia, Nick Westbrook out of Indiana, Isaiah Wright out of Temple, DeAndre Overton out of Clemson, and then Navy quarterback Malcolm Perry, who's trying to make the switch to wide receiver. I think the guys that intrigue me the most are the two Ohio State guys, like I said, Mack and Victor, uh, Jonathan Johnson because his all-world speed and his separation quickness, and then Marquez Callaway and Lawrence Cager because I do think they can win at the catch point, and I like their physicality and toughness, especially for Callaway. And I think Cager's a guy with his length uh, and catch radius could be a guy that can be utilized near the red zone. So that those are my Tier 5 guys. I think a couple of those guys get drafted are intriguing prospects. Also, deep down, you know, we're probably talking in the 33 to 40 range at the wide receiver position. Yeah, no, I mean, my, my five is made up of mostly players that I haven't had a chance to really dig into, but the players that I have in tier five dug into that really intrigued me. Lawrence Cager is actually in my tier four. So, I mean, I have him right there with Marquez Callaway, Austin Mack. I remember him coming out of high school. He was a, a very precocious route runner coming out of high school, and he did translate that to the next level at Ohio state, but he never seemed to really put it together in terms of being that all world outside receiver. And that was something that I think, I think you put really nicely could have been attributed to the multiplicity of the offense and the way in which they could attack players. It really never ended up being a passing game at all times. And Jonathan Johnson just was a guy who jumped out at me at Missouri and also kind of jumped out at me in terms of what he did at the all-star circuit. He's a guy that I'm really interested in, in seeing what happens to him, seeing where he goes. Um, I, I really liked his game in terms of what he could bring to the table. So yeah, Paul, I mean, that's it. Like we said, loaded, loaded class. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we could have talked about these guys and did a four hour show. The fact that we kept it to an hour is pretty impressive. We'll do and talk so much more wide receivers over the next couple months. We're going to have great guests on talking about these wide receivers. You know, there's so much to dissect and what's exciting about the upcoming weeks. And listen, we'll talk more about the combine and, and the merits of it, but I do think in this class, like look at the size of my tier two. When I'm trying to differentiate slightly in my rankings between guys like Denzel Mims and, and Chase Claypool and Colin Johnson, you know what? The combine might help me just sort them out a little bit. And that's what the combine's supposed to be, a small data point. Not a big data point, a small data point that helps break ties, helps send you back to the film. You know, because I think they're all pretty similar. But you know what? If somebody athletically test out dramatically better in that in that trio maybe i have to go back and do some more work or maybe one guy steps out and it is what i saw on film but then that gives him the edge of be like you know what i thought on film they were all about the same but if this guy's that much more athletic he's going to be the guy that tops that trio for me in terms of my rankings so that's what i'm excited about looking forward and you can talk about slot guys or all different types of guys I think there will be some movement within tiers. I think that the combine and the pro days and, and more film that becomes available will help sort us out a little bit more. I really do think there's any type of receiver you want in this class. I, I feel good about my top three. I would strongly argue those should be the people's top threes. But to each their own, that's what makes this process so fun and exciting. And then I think after those first couple guys – I think there's so many different ways you can go, you know, and that, that makes it great. Maybe someone has Justin Jefferson for it. Maybe someone has Brian Edwards for it, Brandon Ayuk for it, KJ Hamler, you know, rugs, you know, 
Michael Pittman. It's, it's there's so many options. This is so fun. I love these episodes. They are my favorite episodes of the year. Our preseason episodes when we break down by position, and then the tier busters. Those are some of my favorite episodes. We just finished the wide receivers, and I'm already getting amped up. I started rewatching a lot of the running backs over the last couple of days. That'll be the next tier buster show we do. Uh, Matt, any final parting thoughts before we get out of here? No, I'm all jacked up. I think this is a great, great episode. It was a lot of fun to break these guys down. There's been movement for me uh, in my preseason to my 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 current kind of status of where these guys are. They pretty much fall into the same tiers that they were in, but I had guys jump tiers. I had T. Higgins jump into that first tier. I had guys like LaVisca Chenault uh, really move up to the top of that tier. I had K.J. Hill jump into that tier. Michael Pittman jump in. Denzel Mims jump into that tier. I had guys like those, Donovan's Peoples-Jones jumped into that tier for me. So, I mean, I had an explosive tier two, and now I'm trying to sort out, you know, Brandon Ayuk. I'm trying to sort out where the dust settles, what is going to be my optic on this class. And it should be skill, but I'm also trying to incorporate now development and that idea of what could happen if they land in a certain spot. All things that are completely speculative. If I'm going to go pure skill, that's one way to go. If I'm going to go uh, pure skill with that developmental optic on it, that's a different way to go. So, I mean, I'm excited about where these guys go, and it's going to mean really digging back into the film and taking in all those data points, Paul, as you spoke about earlier. Absolutely. So, guys, if you're loving what Matt and I are, are talking about on this show, it is the best time to help support us. Get over to the website, ssfootball.com. You can write it out to Saturday, the number two, sundayfootball.com. Check out our premium content tab. For $9.99, you get access to all four premium notebooks. The scouting notebook has been updated and edited. The four tabs breaking down on the individual draft classes, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. I think we are basically up to 85 profiles on 2020 prospects, uh, putting the finishing touches on updating that. I just got to add in the new stats uh, from this season for a handful of players. Uh, but in addition to those like 85 to 87 names, there's also like another 30 that didn't declare. So you're really getting player profiles on almost like 115 uh, prospects now 85 or 86 of them are going to be in this year's draft the rest are going to be in next year's draft probably uh, strengths developmental areas functional areas NFL role NFL projection how they win fantasy spin for that's only one notebook for not as a, a part of the four you get our rankings notebook which will have these tiers and our tier breakdowns it'll have our draft rankings it has our draft eligible rankings for the guys that didn't declare it has our devi rankings it'll have our dynasty rookie rankings you get access to both of those notebooks immediately and then in late march to mid-april you get the freshman notebook matt does that great job with that uh, detailing the top incoming freshmen and who you should be have on your radar. And then I put out the draft projections notebook uh, sometime in mid-April, getting you ready for the NFL draft tabs on every single player, offense and defense, notes on over 400 guys, how we expect it to go, not our thoughts, how we expect it to go based on everything I'm hearing, reading, et cetera, et cetera. $9.99, guys. It, it is the lifeblood of us in terms of uh, help us do what we do on a regular basis. The the stuff we need for the website, the domains, uh, the, the services that we need to, to bring you everything that we do here on a week-to-week basis. So we hopefully, if you purchase in the past, you consider purchasing it again or you think about trying it out. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to Matt or I on Twitter. So on behalf of Matt, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, 
and myself. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.